back to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're back here on the block on a Tuesday for you. Myself, Jake Bachman, and Eric Strickland. And uh, we are also excited to bring in Sean Callahan of Husker Online. There's a lot of uh, Husker news going on the last couple of days, so we're going to break it down with Sean. Sean, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Just uh, kids' last day of school here, so... Uh, kind of a uh, crazy times in the Callahan house today. <laughs> oh yeah, that's always that's always exciting. Summer break uh, just around the corner. Maybe a little bit of a sunnier day would have maybe set the mood a little bit better. But uh, the rain goes on and, and so forth and so on, I suppose. But uh, the biggest news uh, I, I think for Nebraska fans, at least for traditionalists, is uh, no more balloon release for Nebraska this upcoming year due to helium sh- uh, shortage. Um, do you believe that this is a, a, a temporary thing, or do you think you know with the environmental concerns and all that? Um, that uh, this might be the the end of the the balloon release for quite some time. Um, it's really hard to say. I mean, you know, Nebraska fans. I mean, if I don't know, are they going to prohibit them from anybody to being brought in the stadium? Is the question I have. Because, like, what's to stop like a group of people to say, you know, what we're going to create a GoFundMe to buy balloons every game, and you know, there's going to be people that maybe want to keep that tradition going, and and they'll be able to spend whatever. 5000 or 10000 or whatever amount of dollars they need to, to buy these balloons. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly, uh, I mean, I, I could see that happen. We actually got a bag of balloons here at the ticket there. We were kind of thinking maybe we could be those people. I don't know if we were going to spend quite that much money. but uh, Well, yeah, you, you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Though. I, I, yeah, I think yeah. people, if, if they're still allowed to be brought in the stadium, I, I just know Nebraska fans well enough to know that there's going to be somebody that tries to organize an effort to have some balloons back in there. But, and, you know, how many balloons was Nebraska buying? I don't know what those numbers were. How much were they spending? As we know, it was not a money thing. Um, it was uh, more a thing with uh, the environmental thing and obviously the shortage of helium going on right now. Yeah, uh, and then, then uh, you know, to kind of play off of that, um, you know, obviously, I, I want to be the first one to ask you because we ask you every year, uh, just about the the sellout streak, and, and I, I, because I, I was kind of talking about it the other day, and it just feels like I know we've been saying over the years, it's kind of lost its its punch or its, its luster, you know, kind of even just talking about it anymore. Um, I don't think that there's necessarily too big of a concern with it. I know they got those uh, three game uh, package deals coming out again, but do, do you kind of feel like even that discussion has kind of lost? last its luster because there's just there's not really arguing where nebraska that nebraska football has fallen off no i mean the, the sellout streak you know there's there are 92 percent renewal there's no other team or fan base in the world that would have that type of renewal rate at the size of a memorial stadium for the amount of losing seasons they have in a row so the fact that they're even like in this discussion with a losing season every year since 2017 is remarkable. I mean, we're not having this discussion anywhere else in the world about, you know, the sellout streak. And, you know, with COVID and other things, we saw a lot of these things come to an end. Ohio State, they don't have one anymore. Notre Dame came to an end. Um, So they're really, you know, sellouts aren't as common as they used to be. Alabama doesn't sell out every game. um, But it's obviously very unique to Nebraska. I mean, you talk about the data where the smallest populated state, along with West Virginia and the Power Five, and, you know, you add up the data on the size of Memorial Stadium, 
you know, you're looking at close to one in 20 people in the state's population is in that stadium on a Husker football Saturday, which is, you know, tell me anywhere else in the world that's happening. Um, so I, I still think it's really remarkable they're at where they're at. Um, I give Trev and, and his team a lot of credit for figuring out creative ways to try to keep this thing going, whether it's the three-game ticket plan, um, the, the red carpet experience, um, other things. And, and Trev came out in so many words and said that, you know, they've, they've had boosters buying tickets over the years that when they had some return tickets from opponents and other things. So they've done this before, but they were much more transparent about it now, and they've created the red carpet program. So um, I, I would not be surprised at all if the streak continued again this year. And um, it's a little bit weaker of a home slate. Oklahoma is the only real big home game along with Wisconsin. Um, then, you know, you got Minnesota on there and some other ones. Um, but it's not as good of a you know slate of home games as maybe we have seen in previous years. And listen, thanks for joining us on the block. Um, have a quick question. We don't know for sure if it's been signed or it's been completed, but it it looks like there's a projection out there that Marcus Washington's going to show up uh, potentially uh, in the wide receiver group here at Nebraska. Um, for me, I've been thrown out there, but I would love your perspective because you you definitely have the ear of the uh, of the inside and and what's going on and and how things are happening. But with him, for me, it seems like if I was a receiver like that who played um, a little bit with Texas with Casey Thompson, um, that chemistry is an important part of that. How do you view that in the in the decision making? of potentially coming and having chemistry with a quarterback that you, you, you know can get the job done for you? Yeah, they, they've been around um, for, what, three years at Texas together, so they know each other well. Um, Marcus Washington played 434 snaps for the Huskers, or, or for uh, Texas last year. Um, when you kind of break that data down, of all Nebraska's returning wideouts, Omar Manning has played the most at 415, so you're bringing a guy that's played a lot of Power 5 football. Um, he was a you know, rival's top 250 four-star recruit out of St. Louis, Trinity Catholic. He was visiting Nebraska at one time, visited Nebraska at one time as a high school kid. So there's some familiarity with Nebraska as well. But it's just, to me, the bigger picture is the overhaul of this receiver room with Trey Palmer, 389 snaps at LSU last year, Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, 433 snaps at New Mexico State, with Omar Manning, with Oliver Martin, um, with Elante Brown. I mean, they've really made this room over. And let's not forget about some of the freshmen coming in. Um, you know, DeColtis Crawford's a talented guy. Um, but Janira and Bonner, they really think could push for playing time too. So Mickey Joseph has done an excellent job. And he obviously had to stamp up on this move because they didn't necessarily need another whiteout. So they had to kind of – talk this one through. I think there are a few angles. The Thompson connection, he's a St. Louis guy. Nebraska has had very bad luck in St. Louis in recruiting really for the last 10 years or more. Um, so there's a lot of angles that came into play here, um, but they made the decision to kind of move forward with it this afternoon. And they, uh, they are like three scholarships over right now, and usually that stuff naturally plays out. Do you think that Nebraska might be in a similar position to what we've seen BYU do? And, and, and basically, if, if they are over and, and, and need a couple spots, maybe you can use the NIL to, uh, um, to basically pay scholarships for, for walk-ons. 
Yeah, I don't know if, if that's possible. Like, it's just so trans- – got to be transparent, and, and that, that could get flagged by your compliance mm-hmm. if you're doing that. I mean, what you're going to probably see more than likely or are some guys, whether they're injured, go on medical scholarship. Uh, you may also see um, a guy graduate or move on here, um, but it will play itself out. I mean, the three or four more guys will move, move on here. And that will take care of itself here in the coming months. Okay. Uh, also, with the transfer portal, it's kind of interesting because Nebraska's got 16 guys, and it seems like you know that's kind of situational. They needed a facelift and all that, but with their NIL that they're able to kind of throw out there in, in, in the transfer portal, if it kind of stays like this moving into the future, do you see them being like heavy players? Like, there's a lot of programs out there getting you know 10 guys, 10 or more guys. Do you think that this is a long-term strategy that that should be used for Nebraska, or do you think this is very situational for this season? I mean, you've got to look at it like a stock portfolio. You've got to have a mixture of everything in it. You've got to have high school players. You've got to have Jugo guys. You've got to have transfer portal guys. The question is, what's the blend that you want to go with? This year, it's 15 portal guys. It's 15 high school guys and three Juco guys. So, you know, you talk about um, the, the 33 guys you're bringing in, 18 of the 33 are Juco or transfer, which is a – astoundingly high number. I mean, this thing's either going to make Scott Frost look like a genius and they're going to get it going, or, you know, it's a gamble. It could blow up. So there's a lot of risk when you kind of turn your locker room over. I mean, you have 85 scholarships and you're bringing in 33 new guys. That's the most ever Nebraska's brought in in one year in the 85 scholarship era. Wow. Uh, and, and obviously, like, I mean, the change here at Nebraska is, is overwhelming. The change in college football is hard to predict and, and quite overwhelming itself, um, mainly for, you know, uh, looking at, at the Big Ten, are, they're looking like they're looking, moving toward, I should say, getting rid of divisions. Do you think that that will benefit or hurt Nebraska in, in the long run? Yeah, I think when you um, talk about the divisions in the Big Ten, it's inevitable they're going to go away. Everyone's getting rid of them. The NCAA no longer requires conferences with 12 or more teams to have divisions. Um, I think everything now is going to be about getting multiple bids into a 12-team college football playoff, assuming the direction it goes. And the Big Ten is going to be awfully creative and flexible to make sure they can get two or three teams in this playoff every year. That's good. Um, one other question I have, um, Sean. Obviously, the uh, men have done terrible from the fall to the winter and then all the way up to the spring. But the women have seemed to have been on fire. Now, we give kudos to the women and how well they've, they've got the job done for Nebraska sports. But in your eyes, as you look now over the whole landscape, we've talked about this on the block yesterday, which, which – um, which team or, or which sport do you think would be the one that has the best opportunity to turn it around that, that you, that you uh, would, would guess? It has to be football. I mean, you look at the schedule, just, just go on the Vegas over and unders. I mean, the data doesn't lie. Nebraska right now, when you look at their first nine games of the schedule, they only have one team on the first nine on the Vegas over unders right now that has a higher over, over under than six and a half. That's Oklahoma at nine and a half. Um, so you look at just the data on people that make money having people put bets on this stuff. Nebraska's first nine games is extremely favorable. They're only going to have two games on that first nine of teams that will qualify for a bowl game. 
And Sean, one final question for you here as we wrap things up. Um, one of my favorite debates, and we won't know until the season goes on, but we can argue about it. Uh, which team do you think is is more talented? Last year's team, which obviously had the, the second round draft picks and the, you know the All American and JoJo and uh, tight end of the year and all that, or this upcoming team, which is just bringing in a lot of different guys. Obviously, you don't didn't have an Oshawn Mathis last year. Which team do you think is more talented? Yeah, that's a great debate because there's talent, there's depth. And there's athletic ability. There's different conversations you can have. Like, I, I think the secondary um, has more athletic ability and potential than it did a year ago. Um, but you're losing so much experience. So until you see it come together, and I, I do think the schedule matters. I mean, if they can string off a win at Northwest, the win in Ireland, and then go 3-0 and going into Oklahoma, the momentum alone um, could help grow this team at a different way than we saw a year ago where Nebraska last year lost to Illinois and that just destroyed their entire season at that point. Um, you know, when they beat Buffalo and Fordham, everybody was still mad about the Illinois loss. So I'll say this a hundred times on this station over the next hundred days, they've got to win the game in Ireland, period. Mm-hmm. If they lose that game in Ireland, the conversations about Frost's future will begin immediately. The conversations about the season and the direction it's going to go will begin immediately. If they win that game, they should be 3-0 and win three games in a row for the first time since 2016. Scott Frost has never won 3-0. Nebraska's never been 3-0 since 2016 to start a year. And then all of a sudden that Oklahoma game becomes the biggest home game Nebraska's had in a number of years. Yeah, I, I, that's going to be fascinating. And, and you know, it, it's just it's crazy that game in Ireland is, is uh, so much hinges on it. We said that last year about the Week 0 game in Illinois, and that it turned out to be true, it seemed like. So uh, thanks again, Sean, for, for joining us today. And, uh, you know, have, uh, have a fun summer ahead of yourself. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. Sean Callahan of Husker Online. Um, like you said, I mean, the gravity of that Northwestern game uh, can't be understated, especially and I, a lot of people just want to look over it, say, you know, Northwestern's not very good and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, Nebraska kind of played down to competition, played, certainly played up to competition last year too. And then, you know, the other thing is the last year's last year, this year's team's completely different. Um, but I can't wait to kind of see how that, how that unfolds. Um, and, and I don't think it's completely fair for what it's worth either. I, I think that, um, the, the team, they should have some time to mesh, some time to gel the new offensive staff, all that. Um, but unfortunately in the situation they're in, you don't get so much leeway time. So, uh, we'll kind of see how all that plays out. Uh, we're going to take one final break here on the block. Uh, when we come back, uh, still a little bit to talk about again, uh, lat man moving on, we're going pro in Australia. So Nebraska basketball closer. They're just one scholarship over and, uh, Trey McGowan's is the one that hasn't announced yet. So, um, perhaps that's the next move. Uh, we'll talk about that and uh, break down a few more things in the sports world when we return here on the block at 93.7 The Ticket.